What's up, nerd herders? You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I recap and analyze the 11th episode of Chuck, Chuck vs. the Crown Vic. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at GoChuckPodcast and email us at GoChuckYourselfPodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget you don't need a supercomputer in your head like Chuck to like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You just need one in your hand. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any future episodes. That would be a real shame. Now, thank you very much for listening. Here we go. Go chuck yourself. Welcome to all of our listeners. Take a load off. Pour yourself a beverage. I know I am. Oh my goodness. Chris, that's a surprise. Uh, I was inspired by this week's episode uh, where there are beverages involved of the adult variety. So are, I thought that... Are uh, there? Did we watch the same episode? I hope so. Otherwise, this, <laughs> will, this is about to get really awkward. Did you watch uh, Chuck versus the Crown Vic? Yes, that's all right. When okay. were they drinking adult beverages? Uh, oh, the was, eggnog. Jeff okay. was drinking the entire time. He was drinking all right, eggnog. Yeah. Uh, I am not drinking eggnog. Uh, this is just beer. But uh, yeah, I thought I'd keep the spirit of the episode alive. Um, I always feel so guilty. I like I always look at my bottle of wine before the episode and I think, I could be drinking this. And then I think, no, I need to maintain the integrity. Chris would be so disappointed. Do you he go, just whips out a beer. Do you want to go get some wine? Yeah, I kind of do, actually. All right. Well, I mean, I'll pause, and that's fine. We can edit it, so it will appear like you just magically got wine. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Hold on. All right. Cool. I don't know why I'm still using my recording voice, but I'm doing it. That's all right. So, Erin uh, is stepping aside to get herself an adult beverage. I know what you're thinking. Wow, go chuck yourself is so cool now. Well, kids, it's never cool to underage drink. You may be getting a lot of peer pressure from your friends. Drinking's cool. Well, guess what? It's not cool. You should wait until you're 21 or whatever the legal drinking age is in your country, in your state, in your town, uh, what have you. There's nothing cool about underage drinking. Um, Also, don't drink and drive. Aaron and I are both secure in our homes. Uh, We're not driving this evening. I don't drive at all because I live in New York. Uh, But other than that, uh, you, if you have, if you drink soda, you can pour yourself a soda. If you drink beer, pour yourself a beer. Unless you're driving and listening to this, in which case, do not pour yourself a beer. I do not condone that. And me telling you to drink beer through the podcast will not hold up in a court of law. I think Aaron is returning. I have. Uh, I've, I've acquired wine. Aaron has acquired wine. Here we go. Woo! Well, were you talking about courts of law? Yeah, don't worry about it. I was just thinking that a lot of times, you know, I listen to podcasts and the hosts are laid back and they're drinking and I think it's so cool. Uh, so I was thinking that, you know, we need to kind of chill out a little bit because we, you know, we talk about serious stuff. We do. We have fun, but we also talk about, uh, we talked about a lot about sexual politics. That's uh, true. We talk about, um, I guess like, I don't know, we psychoanalyze sometimes the characters. Yeah, and ourselves. Of, there's violence and ourselves, yeah. Yeah, violence in the show. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is what you were saying, but I did see a movie over the weekend where they said that 
If you are under the influence of anything when a judge is delivering a verdict or uh, when you are in court and you are uh, acknowledging your understanding of a sentence, you can't do so when you're under the influence of anything. So I don't know uh, if that applies to us as podcast hosts, but if we are under the influence, you, everybody's got to take uh, what we say with a grain of salt, I guess. That's right. It's not legal. It's not legally binding. It's not going to hold up. It is canon for go chuck yourself. Yes. But it may not be legally binding. Yes. Um, yeah. So pretty excited to be uh, drinking. Um, <laughs> I uh, Look, folks, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Daddy's had a day. Please don't ever refer to yourself that way again. Oh, look, dear. folks, Papa's had a day. All right, that was fine. That one was okay. Could you say uh, Papa Bear? Look, folks, Papa Bear's had a day. <laughs> I like that one. Papa Bear, what was going on with your day? Well, that's a good question, little bear. Oh, sorry. What what happened, Chris? Papa Bear. Well, uh, my doorknob fell off my door. In your hand or just in general? In my hand. Okay. Uh, so I had to go get a new doorknob. I ended up working from home today. Great. Uh, got a new doorknob. That's all set. Um, I have a lot of post-nasal drip going on, so that's been fun. I killed, before we set up recording tonight, I killed the scariest bug I've seen in my apartment. Oh, what was it? Um, it was very small. It looked very, I don't know, like, kind of like, not like an amoeba, but you know, like, those, like, when you look under a microscope? Yeah, it was a house centipede. No, it wasn't a centipede? I don't think it was a centipede. It was a house centipede. What's that mean? Uh, it means what you just described. A house Um, centipede? Yeah, they're called house centipedes, and they eat cockroaches. What? I'm going to send you a picture you of a house centipede. Are you going to share the screen with me? Oh, I could do that. Yes. Chris and I are sharing screens together, for those of you listening at home. Was it we, this? We didn't bring enough to share with you. Yeah, that's what it was. It was much yeah. smaller than that, though. It was a house centipede. Really? So it was yeah. my friend? Yes, it was your friend. It will eat a cockroach. Because I killed the shit out of that. I mean, it was, it was much smaller. <gasps> Aaron's notes. Oh, no. Don't look at them. Oh, I was trying with my hand to cover the screen, and I realized that's not how that works. Doesn't make any sense. So I killed that guy. Um, I had to go to the far side of Queens today, which is just a whole, you know, a whole thing. Um, To the the Bayside. Have you been to Bayside? Mm, I don't think so. No. Yeah, I... I Is it on the side of a bay? Is there a bay in Queens? Allegedly. I didn't see a bay, but that's where I was. Uh, And... (laughs) <laughs> on top of all of that, I edited an episode of this show, so to that, I need a drink. <laughs> Great. Um, but it does bring us to a new show that we're starting right here inside Go Chuck Yourself uh, called Drinkin' and Chuckin'. So <laughs> I'll throw in a little bit of theme music right about here. That's good. You're listening to Drinkin' and Chuckin'. The only drinking podcast inside of Go Chuck Yourself. Take a load off. It's been a long day on the trail, partner. We're here sitting around the campfire, <laughs> trading tales of the old west. We're drinking and we're chucking. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. What are you drinking and chucking over there, little lady? I didn't like that either. I didn't I didn't really care for little lady. You could you could say uh <laughs> No, there's there's no good way of doing this. Um, I want to be clear to everyone listening at home that while Chris started doing that, I hadn't been drinking up to that point, but I steadily moved backwards on my bed so that I could reach the wine. 
Just grab the whole bottle. Just, just that's. I mean, that's what I'm drinking. But uh, <laughs> it for... looks like a hamster drinking out of a little hamster water bottle, like the ones that they have in their cage that are fixed to the wall. Yes, that is exactly what it looks like. I have um, some Apothic Dark, Chris. Oh, classic, Aaron. Yeah, that's that's my that's my choice. It's uh, eight ninety nine at Target. So if Apothic or Target would like to sponsor us, I'm I got you covered. That'd be great. I'm, I'm a patron. A lot. Just a lot. And that's all we got for drinking and chucking right now. <laughs> Tune in next week here and go chuck yourself for another episode of Drinking and Chucking. Do you know who you sound like, actually? You wouldn't know this because you haven't seen it, but you sound just like Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. Really? Yeah. Well, not, not now, but when you were doing the voice. When I'm singing? Do you want to sing? I'm singing a song. No, too. now you no, now you sound like Pearl Jam. You don't. That's not. Here we go. All right, we're gonna stop now. <laughs> we're gonna stop the show. That's all. That's all we got tonight. <laughs> Let's One beer. Let's call it a day. Oh beer. Oh beer. Oh beer. <laughs> I look forward to drinking more beer in the second part of the show, which is coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere. Here on Go Chuck Yourself, late night edition. Chris Gillespie and Aaron Arada here, and we're talking about episode 11 this week. This is Chuck versus the Crown Vic. And uh, I don't know about you, Aaron, but based on the title, I had no idea what this episode was going to be about. Nope. And uh, based on the title, it was uh, still not really super relevant. Not super relevant? Kind of a weird title? I didn't it know. It should have if... just been Chuck versus the Yacht or like something. Yeah, or Chuck versus the uh, unbearable versus awkwardness. The lawn? the lawn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I Chuck got you. mows the lawn. <laughs> that would be my spec script of Chuck. It's <laughs> a good one. Uh, sir, your Chuck spec script fails on the first page. <laughs> How, we don't think you have a mastery of Chuck because you did not get the title right. Chuck. It starts off and he's at Bymore. And then Ellie comes to buy more. She's like, you have to mow the lawn. And he's like, I didn't know we had a lawn. <laughs> and then he goes and he mows the lawn and Awesome's there and he makes some iced tea. And they have iced tea and Chuck works on mowing the lawn. And Casey's like, oh, what are you doing? And Chuck's like, I'm mowing the lawn! And then Morgan comes out and he's wearing like jean cutoffs. <laughs> he is. I can picture it. Ah, oh, Chuck, what, what's going on, man? Morgan. <laughs> this is so good. Your Chuck leaves some, a little something to be desired, but uh, all the other characters were spot on. Really? Yeah. Can oh. you do Sarah? Chuck. <laughs> no. No. No, you can't. Work on that. No. Chuck, this is Sarah. Oh, my Lanta. I don't like that expression very much. Oh, my Lanta? Yeah, I'm not really into it. Little lady doesn't like my Lanta. So I'm just going to go into my notes now. Um, I made a note that is... Surprisingly no longer relevant, because I made a note to disclose to you, in the interest of full disclosure, that I watched this episode after drinking a glass of wine. Really? But, uh, yeah, but that's, uh, apparently we're, pay we're playing it fast and loose now. Um, I do also want to note, though, that I watched this episode after watching the film It's Complicated, so I was feeling pretty festive, if you know what I mean. 
And appropriately, this is the Christmas episode. Is It's Complicated a Holiday Movie? No, it's definitely not. The Holiday would be a holiday movie, and that is also directed by Nancy Myers. But It's Complicated has, I believe, no references to Christmas. I believe it takes place in the springtime. So why were you feeling festive? Because I was drunk and watched It's Complicated. It's Complicated, uh, the subtitle of last week's episode of Chuck. Yes. Well, that's what inspired me. Right. Yeah. Because I kept thinking about It's Complicated, and then I saw it was on HBO, and I was like, yes, I was ready. Hey, was it complicated? It was pretty complicated, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Because you see um, Meryl and, you know, Alec, what, like, what are they going to do, you know? Go beat the shit out of some guy on the street? Meryl wouldn't do that, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But if she did, she'd really embody it 100%, and she would lose herself in that role. And she would. Wow, she beat the shit out of that guy. Yeah, it would be amazing. It would be a sight to see. Maybe maybe 2019 is the year that uh, Meryl embodies the beating the shit out of someone on the street role. We'll see. We cross our fingers. I uh, wanted to point out that this is the holiday episode of Chuck, but it's not the holiday episode of Go Chuck Yourself, because we are working harder than the crew of chuck and we will be oh, producing true. episodes well into december we're not tapping out at the beginning beginning of december we're uh, going this all is, the way this is going to be the point where we lose our sync though oh yeah this is pretty sad we're not going to sync up with chuck for yeah much like while. two female roommates who live together once but no longer we are <laughs> not synced up anymore <laughs> that's your payback for uh diddling that was a very Mr. Peanut Butter esque joke for you to make. <laughs> I'm I'm glad. So this this episode description describes Chuck as still licking his wounds after finding out about Sarah and Bryce. And you know it was really appropriate because something I've always thought about Chuck is that uh, there's not enough licking going on. So I'm really glad that this uh, episode description had me covered. Go lick yourself. Go lick yourself. There it is. You know what? Right away, this episode had me hooked. Do you know what was different about the beginning of this episode? It started uh, not with, like, a, a spy thing going on. It just started with uh, Pimp Juice by Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what had you hooked? Yes, I think that was... I couldn't put my finger on it, but I was hooked by the Pimp Juice. Yeah, so all the Buy More employees are throwing down money, and we come to learn that they're all playing dreidel together. We learn that Lester is Jewish... And he uh, also cheats at dreidel by lying about what the sides of the dreidel mean so he can take everyone's money. Mm-hmm. And all of this happens while Pimp Juice is playing. So it was, it was wonderful. It was really good. I, I like that Chuck begins with like, some kind of spy stuff like in Media Res, but I also loved how this episode started. I was very happy. Yeah, we're getting back into a little bit of quirky Chuck zone with yeah. this episode. It's a little bit lighter. Yep. We move on to Chuck staring longingly at the Wienerlicious, and I think to myself, aren't we all, Chuck? Casey shows up, and he points out that Sarah's car isn't parked in her usual spot, and Chuck is clearly wondering whether Sarah left with Bryce, because that was the cliffhanger we ended with in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Every time Morgan comes on screen, I think to myself, what fresh hell are we in for now? But come on screen, he does. He comes up to Chuck, and he starts off strong with, she's a liar. Chuck asks who, and Morgan says, all women. <laughs> I, I actively decided not to follow Joshua Gomez from our Twitter because we're talking so much shit, but Morgan is so bad. Well, I mean, it's just a character. It's not Joshua Gomez. I know, but he played, like, he played that character. Yeah, but it's just I, the writing. It's I know, the, but their do you, character. what if I know? But what if he think? What if he's proud of his work? And we're just saying how, like, 
like, what if Morgan is so bad because he, like, he, he pulled a Meryl and lost himself in the role? What if he really brought some of himself to Morgan and he just feels, like, sad that we don't like him? Well, once again, we don't dislike Joshua Gomez. We just don't like Morgan. And I think if you're a performer, you can separate your character from yourself and you wouldn't take offense to if we are reacting negatively to the character doesn't mean we're reacting negatively to the person. All right. Well, I will follow him on Twitter, and uh, he will never listen to this, and we will never know how he feels. Sure. Sounds good. Great. Morgan was apparently hiding in the bushes at Anna's house for some kind of reason, um, you know, because of trust and uh, all the good things that go into a relationship, and he saw her get into a car and go out with someone, so he thinks that she must be cheating on him. I don't want to acknowledge that this happened by talking about it, but this is not normal or cute or slightly misguided but charmingly awkward behavior. Writers of Chuck, this sucks. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not good to be suggesting that anytime a uh, your girlfriend is not with you that they are cheating on you. Yes. It's not what men should be thinking. Yeah, and also he I don't know why he was in the bushes at all. Like, I don't know why he was there. Because he's a creep. That's what he does. I know, but why wasn't he in Chuck's bushes, actually? That's where he should be. That's where he usually is. That's where I usually am. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, Morgan does have some good lines in this episode, though, and one of the first ones that I noted was when he says, You ever wish you were a dog or a dolphin or Dr. Dre? And I did laugh despite myself. Yes. Chuck gets an install job in Marina Del Rey, and I get excited because I know where that is. Chuck, Jeff, and Lester head out in uh, one of their cars. They're going to go uh, do some kind of install somewhere. We then cut to a totally, totally inappropriate shot of Sarah that made me really uncomfortable. She's lying in bed, and maybe I was just looking at it weird, but she's like in bed, and the way it's cut is like... It's not really focusing on, like, what's happening. You just see, like, shots of, like, her skin and, like, some red fabric and that she's, like, lying sexily down. And I think what they were trying to go for was that, like, maybe she's with Bryce and she's wearing, like, lingerie and they're, like, tangled up in bed together. But then you see that it's just her and she's kind of, like, lying spread-eagled across her bed. And it's, like, I don't know, like, her hair's a mess and it's just, like, she's really tired. Mm -hmm. I think they were trying to have, like, a little twist there. But it was just, like, uncomfortable and weird. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It was pretty weird. Yeah, but what I did like about it was that she throws a knife at her uh, alarm clock. You know why? Uh, that was because it's it's going off. No, because Sarah don't give a shit. <laughs> I forgot about Sarah. Don't give a shit. This is the least not... shits she's ever given. Right yes. in that moment, destroying that's... an alarm clock with a knife. Yeah. Does she live in an apartment or a hotel? I always thought she lived in a hotel, but like it was hers. That's what I thought too. I thought it was like a Homewood Suite kind of thing, where it's like that's what I was thinking. Study. But she's like always there. Maybe yeah, she's I mean... like Eloise. So apparently, the install in Marina Del Rey is in an actual marina on an actual boat. Jeff is drunk off eggnog, so he tries to go to the lower level of the boat to find a bathroom. And a guard and also Chuck and Lester all run after him, and they find some men sorting money. The guard rushes the Bymore employees right out of there and says something about the boat belonging to a guy named Lon Kirk. Apparently, though, the guard isn't really that concerned about the Bymore people seeing other shady things because he then hands a bunch of $100 bills to these, like, random girls in bikinis that show up. <laughs> uh, one of the bills falls on the ground and Chuck flashes on it, and he's back to being a dumbass about the intersect because he says very loudly, they're fake. I laughed at this line 
because Chuck says they're fake in reference to the fake dollar bills, but Jeff thinks he's talking about the woman's breast, which is what Jeff is looking at, and Jeff says, who cares, so is Cool Whip. And it's a very fast jump cut, and I, I thought it was funny. Is cool, cool Whip, whip fake? Joke. What is Cool so. Whip? What it's is fake. it? Oh, God. Okay. What I, do gotta, I don't know. It's something. Gotta clean out my fridge. It's just all Cool Whip in there. It's <laughs> like when, when you have an episode of MTV Cribs, and it's like all like the same like drink that they have. I'm just Cool Whip. That's, in, that's my fridge. That would be awesome. Yeah, it would be you really cool. too much Cool Whip. I know. Um, Casey and Chuck have a meeting with Beckman. Beckman asks where Sarah is, and we get a uh, repeat or a throwback back to one of our favorite lines, where Chuck makes reference to Sarah having a spastic colon. So that was nice. Always good to see the spastic colon again. I didn't Always think that it would come back. They must have really liked that line. Yeah, I, I really liked it too. Sarah does eventually show up, and Chuck is surprised, but he's happy to have her back on the team. Uh, the team gets assigned to a charity event hosted by our friend Lon Kirk, who owns that boat. Casey kind of unnecessarily asks Beckman whether Sarah and Chuck will be attending this event as a, a couple. I feel like he's kind of deliberately causing trouble, or he's like trying to suss out their feelings for each other. You know, classic Casey. Being all mischievous. Yep. Um, we see Sarah being pretty cold to Chuck, and I was really into this. Like... I'm I'm into their relationship and I like want it to happen, but I was also really into her like being cold to him, especially considering his behavior later in the episode. Sarah doesn't give a shit. That time you said doesn't, and Sorry. I believe that you established it was don't. Sarah, don't give a shit. Thank you, thank you for that. We have uh, we see a passing of the torch in this episode because we see some very very weak Christmas decorations in Chuck's apartment complex, but later we see the Bymore, and it is. Those halls are decked. Mm. It is crazy. It is incredible. I love it. I appreciated that they had Christmas music playing at the Buy More, like yes. any kind of retail establishment does after, uh, I guess, October 31st at this mm -hmm. point, because why not? Um, but they also, I thought this was a really nice touch, is that they have A Year Without a Santa Claus playing on all the TVs oh, in the Buy More. Sweet. And I didn't, I thought that was really interesting because I didn't know yeah. that was significant to other people, but that's obviously one of my favorite Christmas movies. Not obviously, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. I would like to point out that it is November 14th right now as of our recording, and my apartment is decorated for Christmas. Oh my god. I'm sorry I ruined the continuity. You ruined the continuity and you also ruined my faith in you. <laughs> Well, I didn't do it, but I did. Uh, I do enjoy it. So we cut to a scene where Morgan is hanging out alone in the home theater room. Anna comes in and is acting totally normal, and Morgan accuses her of cheating. She says she was actually out with her parents, who usually live in Taiwan, but they're in town for a charity thing, which we as the audience know must be the thing Sarah and Chuck are going to, but Morgan obviously doesn't know that. Morgan uh, demands to meet Anna's parents. So that'll surely go off without a hitch. He does have another slightly good line here where he says, I think I'm going to be nauseous. And again, I, I laughed in spite of myself. At Morgan. At, well, I guess with Morgan in that case. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's dumb, but it's, it was kind of funny because, you know, that's not something people usually say. This is followed in the next scene by an absolutely wild line from Casey. He and Chuck are talking about Sarah, and Casey says that Chuck needs to focus, and he says, and I quote, we both know that Intersect needs as much room up there as it can get. 
So do do we know that, Casey? Is that like is that how the intersect works? Does uh, what Chuck is thinking about affect it at all? <laughs> it needs as much space as it can get. Maybe uh, Casey probably took the psychology and symbolism course, so he probably knows what he's talking about. Right, and obviously the science of the intersect is so obvious that we don't need to get into it right now. Yeah, we don't need to worry about it. Morgan regrets wanting to meet Anna's parents, but it's marginally better than I expected because it's just that he's insecure about himself and them liking him, not that he's trying to be like a macho man who doesn't want to meet like a woman's parents because he doesn't want to commit to her. I, I thought we were heading in that direction, and I was... I don't know, I mean, it's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. I was like, if this is happening, I'm glad it's not the worst-case scenario. Um, Jeff and Lester tell him he can't be himself and encourage him to take it up a notch. That's a nice way of putting it. That's, I mean, well, what, did, what did they say? Lester said that there are six billion people on the planet and Morgan should choose any <laughs> other person to be I like that line. himself. It was good. I agreed. It was very mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Morgan should do better. Chuck and Sarah go to the charity event, which seems to be a kind of like gambling casino royale event is that is casino royale set in a casino i haven't seen it you got it all right i just i should have just said casino but all right i'm sticking to it um sarah tells chuck that the cia has given them a hundred to gamble with mm -hmm. which i i was excited about like a hundred dollars sounds like a lot to me to gamble with so like as as chuck does i reacted positively to that i did have a question here though because um we know that Chuck, his uh, secret identity is Charles Carmichael, but Sarah's is still just Sarah Walker. And, like, she is employed under that name. She does, like, live with people and do things under that name. So I feel like she should be using a different name when she's, like, a spy. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, never, never comes up. Someone could easily show up at the Wienerlicious. Like, she's probably, like, it's registered to her. Or maybe it's registered to Scooter. Who she knows? might have signed the, the title over to Scooter. There's another reference when Chuck sits down at a gambling table and he says, this is my favorite game aside from Call of Duty. I don't know if you picked up on that, but I did think of you. The old Call of Duty coming back. I saw a poster in the Buy More today as well. And now Chuck is mentioning it. Yeah. I really want to go play Call of Duty 2 Modern Warfare. I see a lot of Call of Duty buses in LA. Like they're like the buses like ad wrapped. And it's really big, like it's bus size. So I always look at that, and I'm like, huh, Call of Duty. Just those games make so much money. I don't, I don't know anyone that plays them because I don't really I'm... know people, but they make a ton of money. So much money that they can afford to crank one out every year, and people will buy them. They're like on Call of Duty, like I don't know, like 600 at this point. I don't it's like know... a Land Before Time. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, that know... would be a good crossover. Land Call... Before Duty, or Call of Time. <laughs> Uh, we'll workshop those, but would it be the dinosaurs <laughs> shooting people, or would it be people shooting the dinosaurs? No, don't do that. Yeah, I think so. The dinosaurs have to shoot people. Um, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, no, I guess somebody would have to be shooting dinosaurs. Maybe they're just, like, in the world, and then, like, Littlefoot shows up. It's kind of like Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Okay. Right. So, you have the, you have, like, Littlefoot and Ducky and Spike and all our friends... And they like help. Who's the character? Who's the main character of Call of Duty? Is there a main character? I, mean, I know Kevin Spacey was in it at some Steve, point, but Steve Dewey. <laughs> I have a feeling that name. Kevin Spacey isn't going to be in it anymore. No, I have. I would. Uh, I would think that as well. Steve Duty is the main Steve character Duty. of Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that, Chris. Steve Duty. Yep. And it's Steve just Duty. The, the trials for and Duty. Tri tribulations of Steve Duty. <laughs> yeah. 
We finally meet the owner of the yacht, Lon Kirk, who looks like Hugh Jackman in the upcoming film that I saw a trailer for, The Front Runner, who I guess he looks like uh, a, a real figure from American history, but let's just say he looks like Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. He uh, makes a comment as they are playing, I always bet on red because it reminds me of all the pain and suffering in the world. Chuck has his masculinity threatened here because Sarah is pretending to flirt with Kirk, so Chuck bets all his chips on black. He finds out that the CIA actually gave him $100,000, and he immediately loses it. I thought that Lon Kirk looked more like if you took Mick Jagger and you dressed him up like Chuck. He was, I mean, he was not, like, unattractive. Really? He was fine. I mean, he was, like, he was a little old to have that haircut, but, you right. know. So you're not interested in Mick Jagger? I, um, I would say that I kick men to the curb unless they look like Mick Jagger. I'll drink to that. <laughs> That's how I feel about this episode. Since Chuck blew all their money, Sarah goes off on her own and flirts with Kirk, which prompts him to invite her back to his yacht. Chuck is kind of willfully ignorant and jealous about Sarah going alone, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here that he's just kind of like worried about her safety because she's going to be alone with this man. But uh, it, it seems to be that he's just really jealous about the idea of her getting intimate with him, which is a phrase that they use instead of uh, having sex or whatever. Can't say um, sex. Can't say sex. You can diddle all you want, but no sex. <laughs> so I wanted to see what you think about this, because I, I get that Chuck likes Sarah and that they kissed and things are complicated, but I feel like he's acting like a baby here because she's just doing her job. And, like, does he actually think she's going to run off with this guy who has, like, skater hair? At the beginning of the episode, he said, why don't you go run away with Bryce? And she's like, well, I have a job to do. But we could potentially be led to believe by the end of the last episode that she was choosing Chuck's phone call instead of Bryce's phone call. Yeah. I guess we don't know if her motivation is actually Chuck because she likes Chuck or it's because Chuck is her job. But either way, she's just doing her job. And I don't know why Chuck is, like, not understanding that. Well, Chuck is, you know, he's not perfect. Yeah, and I mean, Morgan is his best friend, so it's not like he has good role models. Chuck makes a comment to Sarah about how her going to the yacht is disrespectful to her boyfriend, and she reacts immediately on the defensive by saying, Bryce is not my boyfriend, and Chuck says, I meant Carmichael, which Mm. did bring up a good point, because, like, what does Kirk think? Like, that this... Like, that she's just an adulteress? That she just, like, went off after him? I think once you hit a certain tax bracket, you don't really care about other people's relationships, so you just kind of assume that you can do whatever you want. That's fair. Once uh, you hit a certain tax bracket, uh, things like monogamy don't exist anymore. Basically. That's a little-known fact. Yeah, I think so. So now we move into the, uh, the title of the episode, The Crown Vic, The Crown Victoria, The Apple of Casey's Eye. We get a slow-mo of him cleaning what apparently is a Crown Vic, which is apparently a car. Um, Casey loves his car, and he just loves it so much. He loves it as much as I love my cat. Maybe less, but, like, almost as much. Aaron washes her cat every day. Just every like Casey is washing day, the Crown Vic. Just in, like, extreme detail. Until all the fur is gone, just oh my rubbing him so intense. <laughs> oh, no! Just, just oh, the, I hate that. The pink, swollen skin, and he's just oh, completely stop. covered Don't in that. Don't talk about just, him that way. You just keep scrubbing him. No, I hate this. With a pink sponge in your driveway with a hose. Okay, yep, that's what I do. Casey loves his car so much that he's kept it a secret this entire time. Because I know! Because <laughs> is discovering this for the first time and has no idea... Uh, that Casey has a car, or even what a car is, based <laughs> on his reaction to a car. 
I really liked this sequence because I feel like it gives Casey some personality and we see some stuff about him. Yes. But I also, I didn't like that we had never seen the car before because it seems like it's a big part of his life. It would have definitely, later on, the the payoff with the car yeah. would have been greater had we been introduced to it earlier and had it been like a known thing. Yeah. But the good news is that if you want to get a Crown Vic for yourself that's souped up like Casey's that has what he was saying, like all the secret spy stuff in it, like a... Uh, GPS tracker and like other undercover spy stuff. It'll only cost you ten thousand dollars. Oh, that's not really that bad. Because he says, with all the money that you blew the other night, I could have bought ten of these. So that's a hundred thousand dollars buying ten Crown Vicks, which means each each souped-up Crown Vic costs ten thousand dollars. Okay, that's not really that bad. It's that's... way too cheap. I don't know why no one got that. I actually do like the scene. Again, we're going to have a scene of Morgan that I enjoyed um, and felt bad about enjoying. But I did really like the scene where he shows up to the lunch with Anna's parents. And he's like, he rides up on his bike and then he gives it to the valet. And he like tips the guy in quarters. And he's wearing like a suit jacket and shorts. I really enjoyed that. You're getting hypnotized by Morgan. I, I know. You it's, You're yeah, falling yeah. for it. Please, please pull me out. The rest of the lunch goes about as well as you would expect. Morgan makes a really racist comment that I'm not going to say, but he does say one, so I'm just going to throw out there uh, that he's, he's bad. He's real bad. He looks out the window, and he sees Sarah on one of the yachts in the harbor, only she's wearing sunglasses and could literally be anyone, and I wasn't even sure it was Sarah, so I don't know how, uh, I don't know how Morgan is so sure. But he asks to be excused, and he stands up, and he, like, he stays right next to the table, so I don't know why he even bothered, but he calls Chuck, and apparently Morgan has also infected Chuck, because Chuck runs away from his job, as always, and he shows up at the stakeout. Surprise, surprise, there's, like, a whole team there backing Sarah up, so his concern was not warranted at all, other than that he's jealous. Um, he sees Sarah about to go below deck with Kirk, and he flashes on a crate that one of the guards on the yacht is carrying. He tells Casey that the crate has, like, I don't, they keep saying plates. I think it's, like, to make fake money. Is that mm -hmm. how you understood that? Yeah. Um, Casey calls this in, but when they go on the boat, it's just medicine inside the crates. So Chuck has really messed up somehow. I don't really know why. Because with the medicine, Juan wasn't doing anything illegal. But they were accusing I know, but where, him of doing something illegal. Where was the Where were the plates? Um, I don't know. I thought that they were. I think they floated the idea that they were trick boxes, but I don't think they ever explained where the plates actually were. Yeah, that was that was kind of unclear. But he flashes. He does. He does correctly flash, but they the plates just weren't in those boxes. So the next scene, Sarah shows up at Chuck's house, and she implies that he might have faked the flash to prevent her from going below deck with Kirk, getting intimate. Mm. Um. Chuck is upset about this, and they have a shouting match where she says that things have been weird between them ever since the incident. She's referring, of course, to the time that they kissed. She says, it happened, what's done is done, can we not talk about it, please? And Chuck asks if she just kissed him because she thought they were about to die and he was in close proximity to her, or because it was about him. And this brings up another question. When you're about to die, do you just go around kissing people to... Like, get one more in before you go? Is that something you do? So here's, here's a story from my youth. We're going to have another uh, Aaron is 14 corner where I go into weird thoughts about romance that I had. Because when I was 14, this totally would have made sense to me. 
in my town, uh, we used to, there wasn't a lot to do. <laughs> Why are you doing this? For everyone uh, listening at home, Chris seems to be chugging his beer. Is that chugging, what you were just doing? He, he kind of tipped it, like he was, he was calling me like a, uh, a hamster with a water bottle before. He really, uh, he did that. It was very distracting. I'm trying to tell a story about my youth. We used to go walking in my town because there wasn't a lot else to do. And there was a very uh, spooky house that we used to walk by. And when I was around 13 or 14, um, we started, we, we stopped being uh, segregated by gender. Just got real concerned for a second. Okay, continue. <laughs> we, uh, we stopped thinking that boys had cooties. So we started hanging out with boys. And when I was around 13 or 14, I got the thought into my head that A, if I walked by the spooky house, I was probably going to die. And B, I was going to die without having kissed anyone. So whenever we were with a boy, I would think to myself, okay, if something goes wrong, like if this goes south as we're, as we're passing the spooky house, I got to grab that boy and plant one on him immediately so I don't die without being kissed. And that was an active thought that I had and a plan that I built for myself mm -hmm. uh, every time we went on one of these walks. Did not happen though. You never executed that? No, I never, no, no I did okay. not. I never had to. The spooky house did not, uh, nothing, nothing came out of it. Fair enough. Here's something that I just thought of. When Sarah says you haven't been acting the same since uh, whatever the incident happened and she's referring to the kiss, mm -hmm. I'm thinking that perhaps there's another moment in Chuck's recent past that could also be affecting his behavior, which was that his one of his college professors died in his arms. <laughs> After being shot <laughs> no, with a crossbow. No, he didn't die. He, yeah, he, he was did. okay. No, no he, he was died. okay. He didn't die. Oh, he didn't die? No, he definitely didn't die. But I mean, Bryce came back and was like, then left. So that's right. traumatizing. That would be traumatizing. His sister almost died. Sister almost died. Chuck has a lot going on, and Sarah's being really selfish, just saying like, "Oh, you're being weird because <laughs> I kissed you." Like, no. I mean, all of his friends are like, they uh, they're in danger a lot of the time. Yeah. Bryce was dead came back to life, then left again after yep. briefly flirting with his girlfriend. He's yeah, there's a lot. lot. There's on. a lot of incidents. Yeah, it's okay if Chuck's feeling weird. He just needs to talk to someone. Yep. Sarah seems a little betrayed by Chuck's question, though, um, and she says what happened was a mistake, and she leaves. Mm. So in the next scene, Morgan enters the Bymore wearing, like, another weird outfit, but this time it was less charming. He has, like, a captain's hat, and he has, like, some lobster in a doggy bag. And Anna's next to him, and she looks really dejected, and I feel really, really bad for her. First of all, like, for the character of Anna, because, like, please do better for yourself. But I also feel bad for the actress, who is named Julia Ling. I don't know if we've ever said that, but she's clearly such a good actress at these emotional scenes, and she just has to, like, deal with this shitty plot. This is the most that she's done thus far, though, in this episode. That's true. I do really, like, she has a really good face, like, when she's, like, being sad. She's really good at it. She's really sad. She is really, really sad. Really sad face. Morgan uh, says that her parents invited her on a cruise with some Taiwanese diplomats, and he invites not only himself, but also Chuck and Sarah. And Chuck does not put together that these are the same diplomats that Kirk is working with, which seemed dumb to me, but also good on Chuck for not thinking that, like, all Taiwanese people in the city of L.A. this week are there for the <laughs> same event. Maybe that was on me. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. Uh, Beckman benches Casey and Sarah because of their mistake, and once they're off the call, Casey turns to Sarah and gives, like, the most intense stare that I've ever seen in my entire life, and he asks Sarah if she compromised herself and Chuck, 
And Sarah responds, and she says, don't you ever want a family, children? Which was sweet, and also an answer. <laughs> also an answer or not an answer? I mean, it was, I don't know, it was kind of an answer. She, like, if he asked, do you like Chuck? And she's like, don't you ever want a family? I think that was an answer. Or she could just be trying to distract him. That's and get true. him off topic. Yeah. Like, were you, did you do anything with Chuck? Like, what are your dreams like, man? <laughs> What do the next 5, 10, 15 years hold for you? What are you aspiring to, Casey? <laughs> what are you doing today to make tomorrow a reality? Yeah, so that's what she's trying to do. Dreams are just <laughs> goals that you had yesterday. Think about it. I am thinking about it, and I don't really understand. One clock, one world, one dream. That's all I have to say. There's a billboard in LA, and I don't really know what it's for, because I haven't like taken the time to look at it that much, but it says... Let us come inside your dreams. There's another billboard in front of it, and there's also kind of like, there's some trees around, there's just stuff around. So what, the first time I saw it, and also the second time I saw it, I, it, the way that it is framed and the way that the line breaks are and the trees and everything, it looks like it says, let us come inside you, and I laugh. <laughs> I really, like, and I, I mean, it's LA. It could say that. It doesn't, but it could. Is it for a sperm bank? I really don't know. That would be a good ad for a sperm bank, though. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so that's something happening here. Morgan sends Chuck a picture of him with Anna's family on the cruise. Chuck uh, does some computer stuff we get to see. He plugs his phone into a computer so that he can, like, zoom in on the picture. And I thought at first I was like, this is, like, this is realistic. This is probably what you would do. And then he does the thing that they always do where you can, like, magically, like, make the picture clearer and zoom in on it and stuff. He knows how to do that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he sees that on the boat behind Morgan and Anna and everybody is this Taiwanese guy who was arguing with Kirk. So that somehow alerts him that the crates they were looking for are on that boat instead, I guess. Um, he goes to tell Casey, and Casey won't help him and says that orders are orders. So Chuck goes with his other option and goes to visit Sarah in the Wienerlicious, and she's immediately like, let's go. And she leaves behind, there's a bunch of customers in there. She's not good at being a small business owner. She needs Scooter to keep her in line. Yeah, Scooter's going to be pissed if he catches wind of any of this. <laughs> He's going to be so mad. He's going to be really upset. My next note is just, I love these crazy kids as a team. I really like when Sarah, Casey, and Chuck are all like, just just together and they're doing things and they're like running and they they're just they're just bonding they got it all down they're a good team that's a group man you know that's yep they're the center of the show they it's are good when they're firing I'm, on all cylinders I'm so proud of them being a group they're just doing good and there's no they're other guys good. like there's no bryce and there's this no is, no there's uh, none of those other guys who were there in the scene with sarah there's that red-headed chick that was in the wookie episode or uh yeah trying to think of other uh, La Laszlo, characters. is he dead? Laszlo? Ellie? Oh, I no, hope we Laszlo's like Ellie. <laughs> no, don't kill Ellie. I didn't say I hope Ellie's dead. Oh, okay. I just said, is Ellie... I said we like Ellie. We do Ellie's like Ellie. Ellie's good. Ellie's yeah. good, yeah. Okay. So we see Morgan doing, like, the Titanic pose on the yacht, and while Chuck is looking at Morgan doing this, he sees that there's kind of, like, a, a weird, like, bug thing, like a GPS tracking device that's linked to, like, a missile. Chuck flashes on it and sees that they're going to blow up the boat, basically. Um, there's a scene that I actually really like where Casey tells everyone their missions and he's like, Chuck. And Chuck is like, I know, stay in the car. And then Sarah's like, not this time. And then they like do stuff. Chuck is involved in the mission. It was good. Mm -hmm. 
So she runs up, Sarah runs up to Kirk's boat and says she wants to talk to him. She starts flirting with him, and then Chuck runs up and pretends to be an angry boyfriend, which I liked for a lot of reasons, but mostly I really liked that, like, we see Sarah seems so natural and, like, good at the flirting thing, and then, like, Chuck is really bad. And I thought that was really realistic, because, like, he, he would be really bad at, like, the acting spy component. So I liked that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, while this is all going on, Casey sneaks onto the boat and he starts like silently taking out the guards and everything goes pretty well until Kirk hears a splash and then everybody draws their guns and everybody kind of starts fighting. Chuck is the only one who sees where Kirk runs, so he goes after him and Kirk has like the missile launcher like in his hands and he's pointing it at Chuck and then he shoots it like right between Chuck's legs. It cannot be understated how close Chuck was to getting destroyed by a rocket. (laughs) Could have been the end of the show right there. Could have. It would have been very disturbing. Kirk passes out after this. Mm -hmm. Was it like the power of the launcher or does Chuck do something? Why was he passed out? Um, Did he get punched in the face before he went downstairs? I don't think so. I think he just ran down there and he got the missile launcher. Maybe it was like the kickback, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be strong. Yeah, it was... I don't know. He was passed out. It was unclear. Mm -hmm. But Chuck uh, steals from him some kind of, like, iPad device that he's going to use to, like, reroute the missile as it's going through the air. Mm -hmm. We get a quick flash over to Morgan, who sees the missile coming and is like, look, Anna, fireworks, despite the fact that it's, like, the middle of the day. It's very Um, clearly a missile. Yeah, it's very, no one no one really seems to care about the missile. You would think that they cared more. We find out that Chuck accidentally, he did reset the rocket, but he accidentally set it so that it would return to their boat. They only have a few seconds to send it somewhere, so Chuck asks Casey the coordinates of his car because he has some kind of device that tells him that. And I don't really quite understand how that works because I feel like you're, you're, you don't just have a coordinate code, do you? Like you have different coordinates depending on where you are. So why would Casey know that off the top of his head? That's what I was thinking, but (laughs) just for a moment, I was suspending my disbelief and just going with the flow. Maybe you can register with some kind of GPS system and you get your individual pin code that is your code for wherever you are. Yep, that's how it works. Sure, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Suspending my disbelief. The missile blows up Casey's car. It's a little, I thought it was a little weird too because the missile was intended for a yacht so it's like clearly big enough to like blow up a whole yacht mm-hmm. but then it, it only damages Casey's car like not even anything else in the parking lot. Yes, it's a very modest explosion. Yes. The car explosion is very small compared to what was going to sink a yacht. Yeah. Which also, I mean, why were they going to sink a yacht? Why would, be, why would they be so flashy about it? Why that's couldn't true. Couldn't they just be subtle and just sneak the stuff out instead of blowing up a boat and then people are trying to figure out why this yacht blew up? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. But we're going to suspend our disbelief about that, too. Morgan really likes to make metaphors about himself being a dog when it comes to romantic relationships. I, do, I mean, I agree that he is a dog, but I don't, I don't like, I don't know why he keeps doing this. But he says some nice things about Anna and their relationship, and Chuck advises Morgan to say those things to Anna. And then, of course, the moment we've all been waiting for it's party time at the Bymore. Woo! It's party time here as well. Are you done with that beer yet? Oh, uh, just about. It's getting there. Well, all right. It is party time. Big Mike is dressed as Santa, which I love. The, the thing that I find weird about this is that Big Mike puts on music and everybody immediately starts dancing. There is no pause. They are ready to go. 
there's buy more employees there's potentially friends of buy more's employees there were some there were some very attractive people there like not buy more employees right but then just like very attractive people who were there different faces new faces new faces it was All nice busting a move have you um have you ever had a holiday party in a store do they like shut the store down like this no i do not think so <laughs> also uh no store would or maybe even a restaurant but especially a store would not have a holiday party during the holiday season because they're so busy and they need no one can get time off oh, so that, okay recently in my most recent stint in the retail world uh my holiday party was uh basically on valentine's day mm -hmm. is how late they had to push it back that's really interesting i wouldn't have thought of that but that makes sense yep they just uh don't want to do anything because they're so busy and December and January that there is no time for a holiday party. When I worked at the library, um, we did have our party around the holidays, which was also during midterm slash finals, um, and we just, I guess, didn't give a fuck. It was great. We all just left. The library was just closed. I don't think it was closed. I think people were working there. The library was very well handled. <laughs> I'm sorry for this, but it was a fun party. We would always get pizza. It was nice. That's fun. Pizza's fun. Yep. That's a fun thing. So Casey's at the party mourning his car. Chuck goes over to comfort him, and he comments, A Crown Victoria was your dream car? Which seemed really funny, but I don't know anything about cars, so it was kind of lost on me. Yeah, maybe it's a car joke. But yeah, also, joke. like I said, Casey, just spend another $10,000 <laughs> and get another one. Hell, I'm sure he has if that. If you have $20,000, yeah, get, get two, two of them. Yeah, one, one for every occasion. Sure. One for, one for weekdays, one for weekends. Yeah, one for the, the summer and one for the winter. Yeah. You know? Well, I guess he lives in L.A., so... But even so, you could still have different seasons. It's fine. Sure. Yeah, why not? Chuck asks if there's anything he can do, and Casey says, you could buy me a new car, which... Which, Chuck once again, $10, Chuck $10, could potentially yeah. do. Maybe yeah. he could start saving he his pennies. savings. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's not, I mean, he's been not living with Ellie. Does he pay yeah. rent with Ellie? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I think he would, because he has his own room. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to um, study that in future episodes. Meanwhile, we see Morgan go to talk to Anna. He apologizes for like being a dumbass, and then she apologizes and she says that the reason she's been acting weird is because she's embarrassed of herself around her parents and not because she's embarrassed of Morgan. Which I thought was kind like would kind of be sweet in something where like she shouldn't be embarrassed of Morgan but uh she should be like absolutely <laughs> and also an easy way of dealing with the fact that she doesn't want him to meet her parents would be they have any like any form of communication that he accepts and then he doesn't demand to meet her parents like that's easy to solve then then she has a line where she says not everything has changed Morgan and I had no idea what this was in reference to because they were literally just talking about how she wears short skirts. Did, did you notice that line? It was really weird. Well, that was, that was saying that she's still into doing wild, crazy things, right? Because then they go have sex in the bathroom. I know, but why would she... So she's saying that around her parents, she's, like, very demure and, like, daddy's little girl and everything. Mm -hmm. But in real life, she's not like that. And then she says, not everything has changed. So what does that mean? What would have changed? The only the only way I could think of that it made sense I did not I did not care for. So thankfully, Harry Tang and his rules about no fornicating is kaput there in the buy more because they go and they have sex in the break room. That's right. And There's I be did a population boom at the buy more. 
I did see when I was looking up this episode that one of the plots of the webisodes that we maybe talked about in one of our earlier episodes mm-hmm. is that Big Mike comes and tells Morgan and Anna to stop having sex in the break room. Oh. So that's not, that's pretty saucy. Maybe Fair they can enough. say sex in that. Maybe. When it's online, they can say sex. Yeah. Maybe he has to tell them that they just need to stop diddling each other in the break oh, room. Oh, God. Well, he, yeah, that's his word. So he would probably, he probably does say that. Now we're going to have to watch it to be sure. <laughs> God damn it, we didn't have to watch it before, but now we do. <laughs> Sarah arrives at the party. Chuck seems to be dancing alone, just in the middle of the floor, and he's, like, <laughs> making sounds to himself, like, much like Chris is doing now. Uh, Sarah's amused by this, though, so I guess uh, if, if your goal is just to amuse Sarah, then you, you, you're doing the right thing. Sarah in her festive holiday uh, denim skort. <laughs> was, was it? Well, how do you know it was a skort? <sighs> Uh, Did you see shorts under there? Uh, 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 <laughs> okay, maybe I'm bluffing. Maybe it was just a denim skirt. I only noticed her shirt because it was very festive. It was red. Right. Yeah. Chuck got her... Okay, so in this scene, Chuck says, I got you a present, and then he pulls, like, an iHome alarm clock out from under the tree. So do you think that he actually got her that, and it was just under the tree, which is really weird, or... Do you think that he saw it and then thought, oh, Sarah needs an alarm clock, and then he was, like, making a joke, like, hey, I got you this, but it was actually just a a display? Wow, I don't know. I'm assuming it was probably an earnest gift, but that's just what I think. Well, it was was just, why was it, yeah, and why was it under the tree in the Bymore? Like, he didn't know she was coming to that party. Because he was was dancing near the tree, and you gotta put your presents down somewhere, so you might as well put your presents down. Was he just holding it the whole time? Sure, he could have been dancing with the clock. All right, sure. I thought it was sweet, though, because she threw a knife through her alarm clock, and you got her a new one. That's kind of nice. That's right. Yeah. I had an iHome. I used to, uh, I set it, well, actually, no, this was one, for one Christmas, I got a CD player alarm clock, and the song that I would always wake up to, I had an EP from the second place runner-up of American Idol season three or four, Diana DeGarmo. And I had her, her EP, and I would wake up to that in seventh grade, I think. Or maybe it was sixth. But I would always uh, wake up to this one song, which then resulted in me absolutely hating that song, so I can't listen to it anymore. But I still love you, Diana. She would be a good guest. Yeah, if you want to land uh, Diana DeGarmo on a Chuck podcast, I don't know how much she has to contribute. But sure, why yep, not? I'll do it. And I um, will not make fun of you for this, because shortly after this episode is released, I believe... I will be attending at, on Broadway a performance that is a holiday spectacular that is being performed by none other than Ruben Studdard and Clay, <laughs> Clay Aiken are teaming up for a oh holiday Broadway show, which I will be attending. So I okay, am in no yeah, position you can to make say fun nothing. of Diana is wonderful. Diana was my idol growing up. Well, she was America's idol. Well, she was, she was almost America's idol. Oh. Fantasia was the winner of that season. Well, don't sound so bitter about it. I mean, I'm I'm happy for Fantasia. She was also wonderful. But, like, Diana was uh, was my idol. So they're at the Buy More, and they're yeah. dancing. And then yeah, Sarah dancing. eventually starts dancing with Chuck, and mm-hmm. they're uh, dancing like someone has just put a gun to their head and was like, start <laughs> dancing! And they're like, okay, here we go! It's the most uncomfortable dancing I've ever seen. I didn't notice that. They're just, like, doing the craziest, like, they were t- doing takes for hours and the director's like you gotta dance again i'm sorry guys you gotta keep doing it and they're just like doing the most half-acid dance ever oh 
my god. Yep. They're, they do have a sweet conversation, like, while they're doing that, though. And Chuck thanks Sarah for believing him, and she says it's the one thing she's good at. Chuck says that's not true, and then she says she's not really good at relationships, and he says, I guess that makes two of us. And he, he looks like he's about to cry in this scene. His like his eyes are shimmering. Like it was, it was pretty. It was amazing. Uh, they shake hands and decide to be friends. And right, right around then, Jeff shows up and he holds mistletoe above them. And I thought to myself, like, are they gonna kiss? Are they gonna do it? But they decide just to dance some more. So they, uh, they, they up their moves a little bit. In a fitting end to an episode before a Christmas break, Beckman calls, and she says the beta intersect that they've been working on is finished now. She's standing in another white intersect room, and the images on the screen seem to be Morgan, Jeff, Lester, possibly Irene Demova, and then, like, other people who are in Chuck's life. And why, like, why is it only them? Why are they, are they in the intersect? Are they the images used to download the intersect? What is going on there, Chris? Are they making the beta or the next version of the intersect using what is in Chuck's mind? But how would they do that? No, I don't think they're doing that. I don't. No. I don't know. I I suspect that they just didn't think we would notice what images were on there. Yeah. They're just re- recycling screen caps from other Chuck episodes. <laughs> just throw it. But they have a whole <laughs> bank of whenever he flashes. There's all that crazy imagery. They couldn't yeah. throw some of that in. Instead, yeah. they're like, no one's gonna notice if you put in Morgan <laughs> and Jeff and Lester. Just go for it. There's Stop never going to be a podcast about this in 10 years <laughs> where two people scrutinize every possible frame of this episode. <laughs> oh, this is great. Beckman says Casey is going to have to kill Chuck, and she <laughs> says that she hopes he hasn't grown too fond of Chuck and become compromised. So Casey's like, yeah, I understand my orders. He's going he's gonna to wreck Chuck soon. I can't wait. And that's the end. And then Beckman says, happy holidays. And oh, yeah, she does out. say happy holidays. And Casey looks at Chuck, who is doing his fun, <laughs> busting a move with Sarah. I thought it looked pretty fun. I thought they were dancing. I thought they were having a good time. Nah, it was pretty awkward. Catherine said You're the looked, expert. Catherine said that it looked like they were dancing like two people who hated each other. Did she watch it? Yes. Has, has she been watching every episode, or did she just watch this one? No, she has not. Uh, she was in the room for this one, though. Okay. What did she think? Um, I, I don't know. Does she think it held up? I don't know. I don't she think can show up for that segment. For it to compare with, I maybe, That's I fair. don't know. <clears throat> That's fair. Did they ever say what happens to Lon Kirk? No. I don't think so, right? No, he doesn't don't. get arrested or anything? Well, I mean, presumably he does get arrested, but they just didn't say. So, oh, we gotta... We only have a limited amount of time in this episode. We gotta mention that Casey has to kill Chuck on Christmas. <laughs> there we go. I mean, I think... I thought that was a good episode. Like, presumably there's a little break after this. Uh-huh. So I thought that was, like, a good cliffhanger. It was a good... Yeah, that's yeah. true. And they, like, they had brought that up, like, maybe episode two or three. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we got a callback to it. Nothing says the holidays like thinking about killing the people that you're close with. Well, so. I mean, that's how... That's how it works in England. So maybe, uh, they just, uh... They just were feeling very British. What do you they know? do in England? Boxing Day? No, like, like, you know, like Downton Abbey, the Christmas episode was where, like, all the characters die. What? And they do that. Like, in England, it's like, it's like a thing on Christmas to have, like, your shows have, like, the most dark ending possible. That's turn like a of, thing. Turn of the Screw. It's a Christmas. It's told That's true, Christmas it is. Time. Yes. It's a ghost Chris story. loves the turn of the screw. Oh, I mean, I love the turn of the screw. He has a lot of analysis of the turn of the screw. Spoiler alert, the tower is a penis. <laughs> Anyhow, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with more Go Chuck Yourself. The 
Chuck yourself, Chuck versus the Crown Vic. We just did a deep dive into that episode. Now we're just going to uh, take a more bird's eye approach to it and talk about some uh, bigger picture, bigger picture things. Bigger uh, picture? Are you still thinking about beer? Oh man, I wish I'm all out of beer. It's too oh, bad. I should have got two. But I'm fine. out of wine too. Oh man, that's how you know the episode's coming to an end. Yeah, it's true. Well, let's try to finish this before we get sober. Uh, <laughs> The next segment is Interesting Information with Aaron Rada. So this week's Interesting Information is going to be a little different, my friends. Uh-oh. I found out this week, uh, very tragically, that Chris Dotson, the actor who plays our beloved Scooter, only appears in two episodes of Chuck, and there are two episodes we've already seen. So what? Scooter is no longer with us. What? He was only in Chuck vs. the Wookiee and Chuck vs. the Truth. He's gone. What? He does not appear on screen ever again in the show, Chuck. They couldn't work him into any other episode? They they could not, No, because the Wienerlicious plays a larger role down the road. Yep, but... nope, Scooter's gone. Scooter's I don't gone? know, maybe they mention him, but he's he's not on screen anymore. You think so Sarah I... fired him? Ooh, well that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to go mm. through maybe our, our Scooter theories for what his future holds, and then sure. maybe our... Our favorite scooter moments. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a really great way to do that. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Uh, no, you can go first. All right, cool, thanks. <laughs> uh, so, scooter theories for the future. Well, I think that perhaps, because uh, he was working at the Wienerlicious for Sarah, uh, but he was also in Sarah's supervisor. Mm-hmm. So, as we've discussed at length in this show... Um, I think at a certain point, he probably realized that there was more to life than just the wiener game. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to get get out of the wiener race, so to say. He probably decided to pursue a passion. Perhaps his passion was tap dancing. Oh, yeah, I could see that. was tired of doing the whole, like, am I Sarah's boss? Is she my employee? What's going on? I'm just going to put everything aside. I'm going to get back to my roots. I'm going to go back and rediscover my tap dancing dream. So Scooter went to... Uh, Portland, Oregon, where the world's most famous tap dancing academy is uh, housed. That is where that is. And he went and he just became the hardest working tap dancer in the entire western coast. And he just really worked his ass off. And now he uh, is going around doing professional tap dancing gigs across the country. Never has to work in a wienerlicious again. And uh, he's happily married and has ten kids. Wow, I'm so happy for Scooter and your uh, fantasy of Sure. Him. Yeah, my Scooter fanfic. <laughs> Uh, my my thought would be that we established in a previous episode that Scooter might be a member of the Wienerlicious family, mm-hmm. and that was why Sarah hired him. So I think maybe there is a, you know, the Wienerliciouses might have some money. They might have uh, some capital to work with. So I think that um, when there was some contention about whether Sarah would be remaining in Burbank, uh, Scooter took that as an opportunity to um, really, you know, follow, like you said, follow a passion. Mm-hmm. This is a um, reference for all you LA folks listening out there. There's um, scooters are very popular here, especially motorized scooters, and they are uh, something that you can download an app and then use them to get around. And they're very popular on the streets of LA, mm-hmm. um, uh, at least on the streets where they are not outlawed. 
And um, my thought, because, you know, Scooter lives in L.A., I think maybe uh, in the year 2007 when this aired, he really started to uh, work with some of his technologically, technologically advanced friends, and they came up with an idea of uh, scooters to um, really uh, capitalize on, like, the tech-driven market and, like, mm. ride-sharing apps, and they, they really went for it. Scooters by Scooter? Scooters by Scooter, yep. Scoot by Scoot? Scoot by scoot. Or he, uh, there's also the uh, lesser known theory that we could discuss that he was transformed into the Muppet scooter. Oh yeah, that is, that's, yep, that's also a possibility. We have to so, consider that as well. Favorite moments of Scooter? Um, yep. So I guess you can either pick the one time he was condescending to Sarah or the other time he was condescending to Sarah. Ooh, I really like the first one, actually. Yeah, the first one's good. Yep. I like the second one, though. He kind of, like, we got to know Scooter a little bit yep. more. Yep. He introduced us to the Wienerlicious's. He, you know, really was... Oh, it was the third time, too, where he was counting the money in the middle of the day. Yeah. that's um, That was going to be my favorite. i just like to take one quick moment to have a moment of silence as we reflect in a montage to the song Don't Look Back in Anger, but, like, in our brains. Like, just, just picture it in your head on everything that Scooter has given us. So, Chris, take it away. Uh, so, like, usually... You you have me cut out all the blocks of awkward silence, so do you want me to cut out this one? Or no, you gotta leave this one in. This is a moment of silence. This is different. Okay. Okay, we're good. Okay, cool. So that was interesting information. Yes, that was now now we're done. Certainly putting the interesting and in interesting information this week. Next segment is a uh, very festive segment. Chuck Mary Kill. Chuck Mary Christmas Kill? Chuck Mary Joseph. Oh, that was good. I like that one a lot. Okay, Chuck Mary Joseph. All right. Okay. So uh, there's one part of this episode that we want to marry, and then there's another part of this episode that we want to Joseph. So we'll start with the. Why don't we start with the Josephs this week? All right, let's go for it. All right. What would you like to Joseph? I would like to Joseph um, the T-shirt that Casey is wearing while he is washing mm. his Crown Vic. Yep. It says, if guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. It's true. And I like to think of Casey as, like, a pretty charming guy, but if I saw someone wearing this shirt, especially now, I would not find them charming at all. I would find them very off-putting, to say the least. Mm -hmm. So I would uh, get rid of that shirt. Get out of there. Yeah. I mean, Casey can also be shirtless. Like, I think he's pretty buff. I would be fine if he would. I don't really know that he's the type to wash his car shirtless, but, like, I'd be okay if he was. Okay. Well, I'll let him know. Yep. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Um, my Joseph this week was, uh, I have two. I have, they're both like small ones. My first Joseph is uh, Beckman being a dick. Oh, I yeah. thought she was being real not cool this episode. I mean, I guess she's, you know, a federal security officer and is all concerned with national security. She's a woman in power kind of and she sometimes needs to act harshly to get her thoughts across. True, true, and I guess Chuck and Sarah and Casey kind of mishandled the situation this week, but I, I didn't think, like, I think she could have been a little bit more understanding, Okay. but then again, I don't know. And then the whole, like, you have to ch- you have to kill Chuck on Christmas, also not cool. Like, come on, there's got to be a better compromise between, like, having <laughs> well, the second you... intersect and killing Chuck. There's, there's some 
Well, I mean, there is, there is going to be. I don't know if um, this is going to come as a surprise to you. I'm sorry for the spoilers, what? but... <laughs> I thought Chuck was going to get killed at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. Well, we never... We, we don't know. We're not there yet. All right, fine. And then my second Joseph was, uh, where's Ellie and Awesome? They weren't, they weren't there. They weren't there at all. No, maybe they I went away them. for the holidays. Maybe. Maybe they're at his, uh, his family's house and his parents are, like, in the hot tub and, like, everybody's having oh. a good time. He did say in the Thanksgiving episode, he's like, what do you think about uh, Destination Christmas? Yeah, so maybe they did have the maybe Destination Christmas. Maybe that's what Christmas. they ended up doing. Yeah. Wow. I'm happy for them. That's, okay. You blew my mind there. Yep. I'm paying attention. So what, what would you marry, Chris? Um, this time around, I would like to marry the Christmas decorations at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Good I choice. thought they did a really nice job, especially after the dismal showing for the Halloween decorations, <laughs> aka Pirate Day at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I thought they did a really good job. Like I mentioned with A Year Without Santa Claus, Holiday Music, yeah, uh, The Christmas Tree. Thought it was really legit. Well, good things. Um, mine is also related to Holidays at the Bymore. I was mm-hmm. really into Lester's Judaism. He's, he's very adamant about Big Mike calling their party a holiday party, which mm-hmm. I liked. Yep. He plays dreidel. He offers to bring latkes to the Bymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I don't love Lester as a character. He's mostly there for comic relief, and a lot of what he does is annoying and or, like, just morally bad. Mm-hmm. But I did like this character detail, and it was a thing that was, like, nice slash neutral about him that we get to know, and I thought it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Nice. So, Chris, do you think this episode held up? Uh, I do. I think that, although I don't think it's... Uh, strong in that it doesn't reach like an emotional catharsis for mm-hmm. me at least I felt that at least felt like it was a return to form and I felt like it was getting back on track with what I think are the really strong Chuck episodes I think mm-hmm. I had all the elements of it it didn't really hit that point but I was glad that especially after the weeks with Bryce and uh, Lou and all that extra kind of stuff going on I'm glad that we kind of got back to basics and it felt like it was important for the characters and uh, I thought I thought it was good I I would agree with that. I find myself um, a little bit getting not, I wouldn't say annoyed, but I would say that there is definitely a Chuck format that is followed week to week, and a lot of times things will be introduced at the beginning of the episode and be resolved by the end. Mm -hmm. So I did really appreciate that we had the Chuck-Sarah plotline to kind of be the through line that is continuing and is relevant to the weeks that we've had, and that references were drawn to Bryce being there, and like Things that happen do come up, but I did think, I wished that uh, Casey's car had been established earlier, Mm -hmm. and there were a few things that I thought that would have meant more to me if we had seen more of them earlier on. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I thought this was a decent episode. Um, Even, I, I still don't condone any of the Morgan Anna stuff, but I did think that as, as it goes, like this was not the worst episode for that. And a lot of the um, humor moments with Morgan that I could uh, forcibly remove myself from thinking about who he is as a character and just focus on the humor of those scenes, I really liked. Mm -hmm. So I would say that as a uh, filler holiday episode, I think it held up pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think it was um, like a throwaway holiday episode. Like it wasn't just like a silly kind of Christmas thing. I felt like it was a good blink in the series. Uh, approaching the end, but I, I agree that there was not nothing as egregious with the Morgan stuff as there has been in the past couple of weeks, which has been draining to yeah. watch and discuss. So, so it's the little things that we appreciate here on Go Track Yourself. 
That's right. We're just happy when Morgan's not doing anything. Terrible. We are not. Uh, we are not asking him to improve. We are just asking him to not exist. Yep. Well, I in earlier in the episode, uh, Big Mike says that there's not going to be any uh, at the holiday party. He says that there's no basically like sexually assaulting anyone. I mean, that was, that's a good policy. Yeah, and I was like, all right, so maybe this will be a good episode, because yeah. Big Mike is coming out and saying, like, none of that. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, listen up, Morgan. Yeah, Morgan that wasn't there, though. Is... Morgan was hiding in the home theater room, so he <sighs> wasn't... He didn't even hear it. Nope. That's right. Yeah. Just right. like, nobody will hear this. I love this bit. This is my favorite bit. Anyhow, I'm not going to wish you a happy holidays, because we're doing more episodes before Christmas, although... I guess there are other other holidays going on, so I'll say happy holidays. I don't know when you're listening to this, but we're going to do more episodes, so do not fret. I, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the, the general you. you to know to I mean? me? You're, no, I'm not. No. Are I'm, you talking to the other Aaron? No, I, no, I'm not talking to either of the Aarons. I'm talking to the listener. Okay. All right. We're clear. Got, do it. not fret, listener. That's right. And you don't fret either, Chris. Thanks, I won't. You're doing a great job. Great. I, uh, I hope you enjoyed your drink. Uh, this has been another episode of Go Chuck Yourself. My name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that anything is possible. No! 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 <laughs> <laughs> I blew my one line. Okay. I mean, I can do it. I can, we can have a switcheroo this week. <sighs> it's not the same. Are we, are we ending or are you doing it again? So on that note, I've been Chris Gillespie. Reminding you that food is sexy. And I've been Aaron Arata telling you that anything is possible. That's right. That's how it always has been and that's how it always will be. Have a good night. See you later. Bye. Bye. Oh, come on, you faithful. Joyful and try. I said this wasn't a Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.